Hey Jexiteers, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Jane Dogwood. This is a very special interview for me because Jane and I actually knew each other as Jehovah's Witnesses. Jane disassociated from the organisation in the early 90s and this is her story. Hi Jane, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. And you? It's really, I'm very well, thank you very much for asking. It's uh, great to catch up with you again after all these years. <laughs> yep. I was yeah. I, when I saw your um YouTube, because obviously I do a lot of binging, and you, you came up and you were talking about your story, and I thought, hmm, it looks familiar. And you kept on the story and the story. And I thought, can't be, can't be. Because there was, you know, so I contacted you and then you came back and you went, Oh no, and I was like, Oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> somebody that actually knows me <laughs> so, so many of my age group did not walk away they're still mm -hmm. involved or mentally they're physically out but mentally in and um you know very it's, it's only a few that i actually know from my time there's a couple of others and obviously yourself and it was like when you mentioned certain things like you said on the you know the disassociation and I thought, oh my goodness, somebody oh, actually yeah. was there and remembered it for 30 odd That's years. Right. Nobody, everyone says, oh, I, I walked away or I faded. And I'll sit there and I go, well, I disassociated. Yeah. I, mean, I remember when you reached out to me, uh, you messaged me on, on Facebook, I think it was. And uh, right. I remembered you instantly because you were the first person I ever heard of to disassociate. I didn't know what disassociation was. And back in those days, they actually announced that you disassociated rather than saying that you're no longer a Jehovah's Witness. They actually said such and such has disassociated. And I was like, what does that mean? I'd never heard of it before. I remember being very confused. Yeah. How, yeah. how did they react? How was the, because I refused to go to the meeting. I just had had enough. How, mm. I always wanted to know what was the reaction and how did people I, I, I remember there being like a which is like common of like everyone like taking a like a gasp like a deep shock gasp, like, <gasps> like shocked kind of thing yeah which was quite common with with like both disfellowshippings and you know disassociations disassociations but um I I just I don't remember what anyone else's reaction was to the fact that it was a disassociation rather than a disfellowshipping but for yeah. me personally, I was just confused because I didn't know what this association was. Nobody ever explained it to you, I suppose. I think someone someone did explain it to me later on. Later yeah. on, there was there was quite a well-known family in the congregation at that time. And I think I did speak to one of them. Yeah. And uh, I think somebody from that family explained to me what this association is and said, you know, they write a yeah. letter and say that they don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore. Yeah. But we're to treat them as if they're disfellowshipped. Yeah. I didn't do a long letter. I couldn't be bothered with all that. I just put a two-liner, knocked on the yeah, door, gave yeah. him the letter, walked away, looked at the shock on his face. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> but um, yeah. it just said I no longer wanted to be associated as such. Thank you for all your help. That was it. I just, I'd had enough. That yeah, treadmill yeah. just, you know. So could you tell us a bit about how you became a Jehovah's Witness in the first place? Well, like a lot in my generation, I was my mother converted during the early seventies, about seventy, early seventies. I can't remember the exact date. Um, we were around when it was a seventy-five, but I don't remember it. Okay, mm. I hated going out on the field service. I hated the meeting. I was only a child. Um, 
as a child, you have no choice. I don't know if you were the same. Your mother converted, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Right. So you had the Christmas, you've had the birthday, and all of a sudden it's taken away. Yeah? And all yeah. of a sudden you're not seeing your cousins, you're not seeing your grandparents, and it's just your immediate family and the witnesses. And that's how our lives became. And then, obviously, my mum moved down to London. And at the time, I would not have been in the same congregation as you, obviously. And within three months, my mum got baptised at Twickenham. And then she stopped. Okay. She then went back a couple of years later. My sister went with her. I refused to go. A year later, my mum stopped again. My mum's a heavy smoker. Mm. Okay. And um, she stopped. Then my sister and I were studying with someone else, these two elderly sisters in their 70s. And this was going to have a big impact on my knowledge game because they were witnesses from a different generation, you right. know, maybe going back from Rutherford and Nathan Knoll's time. So my mother by now, now stopped. My sister, that's it. She's finished with the witnesses. She never goes back. But she always she knows everybody that I knew. And they'd always sort of say over the years, oh, how's your sister? And they'd say, oh, she's all right. And then she'd say, oh, but they asked about it. I thought, no, they're asking about me because they've got to be seen that we're talking, but they're not. Mm. Anyway, um, and then I started to have a Bible study with these two elderly sisters. Now, their doctrines would have been based on the old way of doing things. And so I was taught a certain core lessons that were never going to help me to understand the doctrines that we were learning at the meetings right because yeah. they told me literally that when we would be resurrected out of the graves yeah the dead if you and you'll be introduced you'll be welcomed by two naked people what <laughs> apparently there once upon a time many many decades ago in the witnesses because we'd be perfect so we would be naked and i was looking i said are you for serious and she took it she just sat there and, oh yeah of course it would be perfect like that and i started to argue with them because i thought you're telling me one thing but that's not what the magazines are showing mm. yeah i think it's going back because like i said they were they were in their late 70s yeah so um their doctrines were based on the old they weren't always going to the meetings because they were too old mm -hmm. so i think they were basing because we know we going back right in the old days there was a lot of dodgy there was a lot of doctrines that were a bit we would we would yeah. think far-fetched you know yeah. They, yeah. you know Very you've got remember, so. you've got to remember that one time they used to, literally used to have people coming out of their graves to be welcomed by witnesses yeah. you know yeah. yeah yeah so i don't know there were so many other things that they used to tell me so when i go to the meetings i'm being taught one thing and with them i'm being taught old school the old yeah. news yeah yeah so you've got new light and old light. So they're teaching me old light as at that time, if you see what right. I mean. That's, that's yeah. the way, best way to describe it. Eventually, a another sister of my age came on board and took me away from them because I started arguing with them. I was literally mm. arguing with them, you know, a teenager, of course. Mm. And from there, then the social life. I, I was a bit of a loner. It, I wasn't really... I was, bit of a spotty teenager if you know what i mean you know grumpy mm. spotty moody teenager you know mm -hmm. and with the with this other person there was a circle within that congregation so i started to get out and about and socialize and mix with people mm -hmm. and started going out on the field service going to all the meetings 
and then at 17 I decide to get baptized this baptism the questions that I went through I did it within an hour with this elder I walked out of there I was like what was that all about can you imagine 80 questions in an hour you never seen anyone get want to get me out so quick well, that I don't is think really that's... quick well we, we soon found out reasons why a couple of years about six months later he stepped down as an elder and about six months after that he disassociated himself wow his daughter was getting married to someone in another congregation so i think he was just hanging around waiting for her to get married walk her down the aisle and then quickly do his exit now i start my jw lifestyle Ten, next i'm a teenager and the early 20s is all involved with the jehovah's witnesses mm. but my mum my sister weren't involved so i was one foot in one foot out right so your mum never went back after she stopped going oh yeah oh no she always did whenever they she got involved with the moment she got involved with another religious group she always liked her spiritual food and um they would come because she was very good at oh you know that kind of thing and then when they saw they weren't getting very far they moved on whoever came knocking on the door she would they would use as a magazine route as a bible study and but the she would finish the book and then they'll move on and that yeah. happened about four or five times because she's not very well she's not the full biscuit if you know what i mean as she's got older mm. um i won't go into details about her health but there is mental health issues there i think people who have low iq or some form of mental illness or so absorbed in so many issues and personal problems they don't have time to realize the impact of what a jw lifestyle is yeah very true and i think they don't really understand the full extent of the doctrines because they have got something else sidetracking them and it's not because they've got low iq most of the time it's because they've got a lot of problems maybe yeah. family big lots of children massive they're over got a big they've got a job that takes up a lot of hours so you don't have that time to switch off and think about what am i doing where am i going yeah. you're just living an autopilot living a month by month pay earnings to earnings existence yeah you know normally poverty or due to some form of you are so stressed out you're so full of anxiety that you don't understand the impact and mm -hmm. being a jw you think is helping you but we know it actually holds you back yeah so that's my mum's story i went to your congregation for one reason only do you know what that was what every it was always tuesdays and thursdays correct yeah i love top of the pops and i love my <laughs> when i found out that your meetings were on mondays and wednesdays i went that's it for me i'm going there yeah <laughs> i love my top of the pots because we didn't have um we didn't have the you know mtv and the, yeah. you know all that yeah. kind of thing so that was my that was my fit you know that was my buzz if you see what i mean yeah and also in your congregation there was a mixture of people lots of children and you lot were all running around. Obviously, that would have been, you know, I, the congregation originally started, I eventually left because I got fed up. There was a big family that I really used to mix with and they moved on. And the people that were left over, I just didn't fit in. And also because of the location, it was a bit of a nightmare to get there. So I went to another one because I was on my own. I'd have to make my own way home. It was dangerous. Mm -hmm. I was putting myself, because we lived in a kind of, council estate and it was you had to go over footbridge to get home and it was quite dangerous late at night because you know 10 o'clock it's you put yourself yeah. in because i'd already been mugged once coming back oh, from no. the meeting so oh, no. i 
you know, so anyway, I changed, went to another congregation. Now that congregation was going to have an impact on when the original congregation was in, when they got the two, do you remember the two new kingdom halls they built? Yes, I remember. Okay. So that one is the one that merged with our one to eventually yeah. purchase the two. So I went there for about a year and all they ever did was moan about, they built up, God knows how much funds they had built up. And they were arguing, we need to get a new hall and everything. It was a lot of adults, but you could tell there was some form of, um, wasn't very united. Mm. Yeah. Now the big guy, you know, the, what was that position? You know, the COBE, I think they call it now. Yeah. yeah the presiding officer it was called back then. That's it. He was very elderly and his wife. Yeah was a really horrible woman. I did not like her. One time he was sitting in the car going home and we're talking about criminals and sending them back home. I went, all right. I said, well, what'd you do? Someone's born here. She said, oh, they should go back where their parents have come from. I thought, mm, you know what I'm trying to say, yeah? Oh. And I thought, oh, meant to be a holy person, racist. And I, I felt a lot of disharmony. I don't really like it there. Plus I had moved to the congregation, the territory, where you was, it was your congregation territory. Mm -hmm. And I loved the Monday and Wednesday. I thought, great. I was living with someone at the time, another witness sister. And it meant that I could be indoors when she wasn't indoors. So I wasn't clashing because it was only a very, I was only staying there until I got rehoused. Right. And it meant I wasn't under her feet. Yeah. So after about, I, I eventually got my own place and I had a couple of years of just peace and harmony. But I was a bit, a bit weird, I imagine, because I didn't really fit in. I didn't pioneer. I, after one month, of, I did one month of auxiliary pioneer, and I thought, never, ever mm. again. I've got better things to do in my life. I worked full time as well, which would not have been normal at that time, would it? No. Because all the single sisters in that congregation, what were they doing? Pioneering, correct? Yeah. And working part time. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I'm not sounding stereotype but i don't think there were many people like me if you know what i mean mm. i must have stood out like a sore thumb i was just maybe different um i attended the meetings i went out in the field service whatever but i think i was doing maybe about four or five hours a month on average and the highlight you remember the old yellow highlight if you got 10 yeah. minutes before the meeting you could quickly do your questions and answers yeah. and as long as it looked like you had done it it didn't matter did it yeah yeah, yeah? yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you do that i think we all learned that trick eventually yeah, we all we all did that at one time or another yeah so we used to have the book and because before all the other congregations that i'd been in they were always bus right away taking about an hour to get there once was in your territory the kingdom hall the meeting was all in no and there was people around me before I was not, there was no witnesses around me. Mm. So this is where I think how oh, I landed up staying longer. There was more witnesses, a more, a wider, wide age group, if mm. you see what I mean. Yeah. Now, within that congregation, I'm, I'm sure I'm saying quite a lot were a lot of West Indians, correct? Yes, there were. And there was a friendly, the banter, and everybody was, there were certain people, if you knew who they were, you could make good friends with a few. There were some that were really friendly, and they were kind and loving type yeah. of people it was in yeah. their nature nothing to yeah. do with religion or anything so that kind of kept me in and then i briefly met my ex-husband very quick brief courtship we got married he got disfellowshipped and we went our own way then the problem started and then i saw the other side of being a jehovah's witness the veneer was down 
and that's when I found out that these this religion it it's toxic to the core and that's where my lack of faith my approach to it all faded I was a non-entity before I was at the lowest pecking order now mm. I am spotlight I've got the elders on my back so things start to come to light they wait until you hit till you car crash before they step in they don't step in before you you fall from grace they wait for you to fall from grace correct yeah yeah everyone knows about adultery you can get divorced on the grounds of adultery but don't sleep with them after they confess their sin because mm. you're not free to then remarry mm. that's the first thing that they don't tell you about okay the next thing they don't tell you is that if you were to go ahead with a divorce and it's not scriptural you will get disfellowshipped that's what was the rules at the time whilst I, we he he got i said i left them i stopped going for about a year i went back but we were kind of like sort of separate but not separated but eventually right. we went our own way i had i didn't know what to do i didn't know which i didn't know if i was coming or going but i did start looking at getting a divorce and they would come up to me going for a divorce yeah you're going for a divorce yeah and then one day one of them comes running up to me and said did you see the magazine i went it was in the watchtower and the watchtower study at the time because before they came out and they said you could divorce if your life was in danger something to that effect but you weren't free to remarry so that's what he told me and i looked at him and i went oh so because that magazine's come out and if i had gone ahead with the divorce you would disfellowship to me. Mm. So you wait until that comes out. So that was another wake up call if you see what I mean. So we my we eventually got the divorce came through and everything like that and I'm still going to the meetings but by now I've my attendance was starting to dwindle. And then they with another congregation merged the one that I'd been before and they went they were these Two congregations, as you know, the one we were in and the other yeah. one, were both hunting for years, and I mean literally for years, for a new hall. So yeah. suddenly nothing, and then two come along. You know, like no buses, yeah. and then two buses come <laughs> along. It was like that. Yeah. They thought, let's go for both of them, they said. And they both put in an offer on both Kingdom Halls. And there was a couple of things that came to light about this new Kingdom Hall. So suddenly the elders don't take any notice of me. I've already got a job in a local. They, they got bigger fish to fry at that time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, they, they got better things to do than worry about yeah. me. So I've now got a job locally. And there's a lot of young people my age. And I am out enjoying my life. I'm starting to do what I should have done as a teenager. Yeah. I'm going out to, I'm going to, I'm starting the, um, I'm actually celebrating Christmas on the quiet. I'm going for birthday drinks. And I'm starting to get out and about. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. My skirts were getting smaller. I was wearing more trousers. You know, the length of my dress and skirts were going up, if you mm -hmm. see what I mean. Mm -hmm. And I was showing more flesh. Mm -hmm. And my hairstyle was changing. That's a, that, that is something. I did some colouring to my hair, which made it a big disaster. But that was going to have an impact on, at one stage. Now, I can't remember the whole sequence of events. So I'm just going to it might be a bit all over the place but you remember one of the elders who had a son who died yes i do i remember him right well. yeah when his son died this particular elder he started making lots of social events i don't know if you might have been too young to know but you know some of us went to carnation street for a weekend i didn't no? know that no yeah 
Well, a whole coach load of us went all the way up to Coronation Street. We they had the at the time you could go and actually see it. We mm -hmm. stayed at a hotel. We did a watchtower study, and that was him trying to get over the morning the death of his son. He was right. trying to keep himself occupied. We even went to Bethel. That was the big wake up call. Mm -hmm. I, we was only there for half a day, and they, they spent about a million pounds on this great big printing press. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and I thought, "Lummy neck." It was like a, it was I don't know. And I thought it looked like a scene that the way that they, they built these machines, it looked like they were going to open the curtains and the Wizard of Oz was going to pop out. Mm. <laughs> they had a tin that was a tobacco tin. I'm telling you, it looked like a tobacco tin. And they said, "Do you want to make a donation?" I thought we've already paid for these machines. They had these things they were talking about these translation machines they said and yeah. they said look these are the machines that enable us to do the translation i thought they're two computers because i was working in an office i was mm. using a computer all the time and i walked out of there and i thought ah, oh, my jehovah god is a bloody printing machine <laughs> also <laughs> as we're walking i'm talking to someone who you would have known but i won't mention any names and she's going, oh, do you know the Bethelites? They work five and a half days a week. They get 80, 20, 40 pounds a week, month, whatever it is the time they got. And I looked at her and suddenly, 30 years of Watchtower Slave. Oh, my goodness, I thought. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. The books came it to came mind. came back to your mind, yeah. yeah. Yes. And we all went, you might have gone there, actually, because we went to the park afterwards. There was lots of children. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I remember. I was on that trip. Yes, we we yes, had to leave halfway. We had to leave halfway through the day, and we had yeah. to get into a park and play rounders or something. Yes, yes, yeah? yes, 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 yes. You I remember, remember it? Yeah. And yeah. we all had to we all had to just get on with it and make the most of the day. That, yeah? that was the one and only time I've ever been to Bethel. <laughs> Mate, yes, you yeah. remember it now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was, it was in the park, and I remember lots of you kids are running around, and yeah. So anyway. One person that we, we knew very well, he said, oh, I wanted to be a turf accountant until I realised what the work was. And I looked at him and started laughing. <laughs> yeah, Somebody you would have known at the time. Yeah. Anyway, so that was that. And um, it kind then they were all going to – my dad, my father came over to stay with me. And he said something as well one day. He said, you know that the Bible is a collection of books that was written at a time telling people how to run their lives because they were illiterate. And I kind of looked at him and I went, oh, gosh. Because I know in the medieval times in England, the church of the church would have done what they call moral plays, whereby the peasants would have sat down, because this is the Middle Ages, they would mm. have sat down, listened to a play, and the play would tell them it would be a moral. Teach them a lesson, yeah. Yes. And the moral plays, the Bible, which I knew, obviously it's a collection of books, but my dad told me, he said, look, this is what it is. And I kind of looked and I thought, that does make sense. Mm. Because I know people at that time were unlikely to have read properly and they would have been told what to do. Yeah. So you're getting a sequence of events. Wake up, wake up, wake up. See what I mean? Yeah. So the New Kingdom Hall, we, I'd already been to, you know, when we went to, I think it's Haysbridge, isn't it? Yes, yes. I remember when they built that. I went once. Me too. I, yeah? I, I, remember, that as, I remember that as well, yeah. So we had a coach trip one day. We went there and I saw it, you know, when it, before they built this, before it all finished, and we all went and was digging outside the garden. And I just thought, I'm not doing this ever again. This is just nonsense, you know? 
So I thought, I'm not, I'm doing this. There's no health and safety. If anything happened to me, I know I'm not insured, you know? So I left and that was the, that was the last time I ever volunteered. So when they, they're all, I'm passing by when they built the big, the, the hall that we walked, the, not the hall that you would have gone, you'd gone to the other one. They were all outside, crowds of them. And I'm walking along. They said, Come and join us. I was like, I don't think so, mate. I went, no, it's okay, I'm busy. I went on. Um, I remember Christmas Day coming out my house. I had, I had a dog at the time and I had a jeans and bag full of Christmas present. Oh, they said, come and join us. I went, oh, my goodness. They were all out knocking on the door. And I went, oh, no, I've got to go to my mum. She's very ill. Mm. And see her face. And I went. <laughs> oh my goodness, like you escaped that. Thank goodness I'd wrapped stuff up so they couldn't see because it was in a carrier bag. And plus I had a dog. So I was gone. So I disappeared for about a year. I hardly ever came and I was out of the picture. By now, this is when the light is starting to mm -hmm. it's still there, but by now, after this, the light went even further down. Mm -hmm. So we then had the district assembly, which would have been at Crystal Palace. That meant I didn't have to book a coach. I could get yeah. on the bus. Yeah, so yeah. I checked the dates and I made, I made, I said, right, I'm going to go Saturday and Sunday. Now I had decided in my ultimate wisdom, I'm going to color my hair. I'm going to make it lighter. I put this thing called sun in. I put so much in my hair literally looked like Marilyn Monroe. It's white. <laughs> I mean, literally I had sapped all the color out. Yeah. And I looked at it and I went, I can't go to hairdressers and get anything done about this because it'll all fall out. So I had to leave it for a while. Mm. And I'm looking in the mirror and I thought, what if I take, oh, take my glasses off? And I thought, oh, blimey, I look different. So I've gone to an assembly with bleach blonde hair and no glasses. And I would have been totally unrecognisable. And mm. that's what happened. Mm. I finally go to an assembly and nobody recognises me. Mm. I went on the Saturday. I was a bit late, but I sat there. Lunchtime comes. I went off to get something to eat. I had it meant to go back. I had another coffee and I thought, oh, I can't bother. I went back, got me back. I went home. The next day, I went I went home. I had the biggest pizza you could ever think of. And I drank, <laughs> but I also drank four cans of lager. I was drunk. Mm -hmm. I woke up the next day with a stinking hangover. But whilst I was drinking, I was crying and crying. I thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't take any more of this, if you know what I mean. I cannot mm. live like this anymore. I've had enough. Because everything was all coming out in the open. It just, I realized that the, the veneer, I'd seen it for what it was. Mm. There is no Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz is just a man who just, it's just a man-made religion, if you know what I mean. Mm. I'm mm. basically believing and worshipping a blinking printing machine, mm. publishing organization. So I went on the Sunday. I arrived late. I'm sitting there, I've got this hangover from hell, literally. And I remember my head down. God knows what I must have looked like. They must have thought I'm coming in late, sitting on my own. I thought I was this fellowship. I don't know. I remember seeing one person. She didn't even recognize me. And I saw another one. I thought, I wonder if he's going to recognize. I just walked past, didn't even recognize. I thought, visible, you know, it was mm -hmm. great. For the first time, I actually sat in the assembly. Nobody spoke to me. I was on my own. I could see it for what it was. Yeah. And I, and all I could hear in my head is, Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. And I suddenly thought, where's Jesus in all of this? Mm. And I'm telling you this, they all got up when you do before the song or something. And as they all stood up and they started singing, I've got my bag. I walked and got a bus and I went home. Tuesday, knocked on the elders' door, gave him my letter of disassociation. 
and that was it. They came knocking on my door about a week later. They said, we've got your letter. I thought, we ain't coming in. I wouldn't let them in. And they said, do you know what's going to happen? I went, yep. I thought, I just had enough. Because I didn't want to do what my mum did. And that was go in and out, in and out. Yeah. Because that's how I had been. I was always, I was hot. And as the years, I would get very, the temperature was high. Then it would go down. Then it would go up, but not so much as before. And go down. Do you understand? Yeah. yeah? Every time yeah. the temperature went up, it wasn't as high as before. And then it just cooled. No more. I'd had enough. And I didn't want to do what my mum did was keep going in and out, in and out. I thought when you disassociate, that's it. It's finished. Yeah. And 20 years go by, life, like all the life's ups and downs, upheaval, you're moving around, whatever. And then I come out of the train station and there they are, bloody cart witnessing. Mm. I said, what the hell is going on here? Well, straight home, Google, JW Org, JW Broadcast. Suddenly I had grown up in an organization when as you know the the um governing body were invisible we didn't know we knew of them but we didn't know mm. who they were and suddenly mm. here they come and i went oh my goodness Stephen, let's <laughs> anthony mm. morrison the third and so forth these characters were not quite what they were and i did my research i dug right back from the foundations i took it i looked at from them listening to their story to dig up you know, do, do further independent review, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Right back to the Millerite movement. Right. To, yeah. To the understanding about how um, Russell, who was a businessman, created a magazine because it was tax free. Mm. Yeah. He yeah. could. And it was a pyramid scheme in the sense that you bought the magazine and you sold it on again, especially with this study in the scriptures book. I believe mm. he made a, an order for a thousand people, coal porters, they called them at the time, pioneers. Yeah. They would buy it for a dollar, sell it for two, something like that. And they had the little groups, which eventually became congregations, by which time he pops it. Rutherford comes along. I used to work with a guy called Rutherford, and I kept thinking, there's something about your name, but I can't remember why. And then I remembered that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, when I, I, as I dug it further, I made my own decisions, but I could see each, you know, every person, every prime minister likes to leave his legacy in the country. Every person or body like to leave their mark within yeah. the JWs, correct? Yeah. But there's always a change. It seems to be a change every 30 or 40 years and every 10, mm. you, you, you know, if you look at the history. And they are now, I mean, they look like they're going away from printing and over to making bloody films. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nothing like we all know, it's not what we left even for you i'd imagine even you. oh yeah there's even been changes since i left i've only left in the past couple of years yeah now i will say a couple of years ago i'm a very nosy inquisitive person and i moved i was going through quite a bit of a low patch witnesses knock on the door they were having some magazines from my previous neighbors and i got talking i kept talking and talking and talking and then the next thing i know because i was going through quite a low patch i was a bit curious i thought what it's like maybe Two elders turn up, so I have to play along, go to the meeting. It was the, it was the memorial, so I went to the memorial, and I thought, oh, it's nice. This um, no longer the books, the the app, and the, nobody could talk to me, obviously. And an elder come up and goes, oh, can go, shake my hand. It was welcome me back. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. but I only went for a couple of meetings. I was bored because I mm -hmm. knew behind the veneer, the. Yeah. the the language is more straightforward, so it's easier to understand what they're waffling on about. There's none yeah. of this Magog and Magog and the Babel Tower or whatever. 
it was just straightforward English. And I just thought if I if it had been like this in my day, I would have long walked away mm. because at least I understand it. Back in that day, I didn't have a clue what they were waffling on about. If you, I don't know if I'm being, you know, silly, but no, no, no. It, this is something that has been highlighted by a lot of people. They and not just um, the way they speak at the meetings, but the publications and the way they're written. Everything is dumbed down now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was told. I asked one of the elders because don't forget, I'm supposedly trying to come back. He said to me, the reason they've done that is because of the level of translations. Now that they do not just dial, not just la main languages, but they also do it by dialect. Right. The language was so complicated that in some dialects, they don't have that ability to translate it. So they right. had to simplify it because there might be certain parts of the world, say Africa, they have got multi layers of languages. And those languages can only do it straightforward English, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Because we've got, remember, America, they speak English as the main language at Bethel. So that's how it has to be. You cannot use uh, Gog and Magog because it won't mean anything mm, in another mm. translation. Mm. And they've got all, you know, we all know they've got the, the now it's all about giving um, public, you know, you can go online. And what language are you, you speak? Because now, obviously, it's all done online and it's about people talking over, they dub. Yeah. And everything and of and you know it's all changed now so um yeah i mean i did go back briefly and i just thought oh nothing's changed this is boring as hell it was boring then it's boring now i'm out of mm. here so i moved and i just kept quiet what was it what was it like for yeah. you after you disassociated how did that impact you like emotionally well because i'd already stepped back right i've been slowly stepping back you know what i mean yeah I just, when you stop going to the meetings, you become, I think, you know, Lloyd Evans says it himself, you listen to his story, he said, he goes and lives abroad, he can't speak the language, he's there, but he doesn't understand what they're talking about. So slowly you deprogram. Yeah. And that in a way is a bit like me, but in a different way, in the sense I'm not going to the meetings because I had taken on this evening job. I needed the money. I was a bit of, like I said, I, I just like working. And um, I was just, I thought, you know, it'd taken me about a year to get this little extra job and I just couldn't be bothered to change it around. And whenever I did go to the meetings, I'd be sitting there and I was just like, oh, this is so boring. I was just waiting for it to end. I just lived my life. I never thought anything of it because I, if they came knocking on my door, please don't knock on this door. I've disassociated. So I'd be not, do not call. Yeah. But the cart witnessing is when everything, it all started. And I started having, I got very restless. I became a bit, um, how can we say? I did go for a bit of a rough patch because it all came back, the memories. Mm. I had suppressed it. It basically was back of my mind, like the time when I was first starting to study about the books. Yeah. Yeah. And it came back 10 years later. The yeah. same thing happened again. After so many years of being out with the cart witnessing everywhere. I don't know if you've ever been to London, Oxford Street. Yes. I've seen them up there. Yeah. Did you see how many of them used to hang around? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, I traveled to America in late 2019 before COVID. And I remember getting off the plane and then walking through the airport. And one of the first things I saw was witnesses on the cart. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you'd seen Oxford Tube Station, there's four exits. One day I was there and there was three, there was three um, stands on each exit. Wow. And, you know, sometimes it can get so chock-a-block that they don't even let you in. Okay. You could come out of the Tube Station from London Okay, and they'll be standing at the door, the exit with yeah. the magazine, so you can't get out. Yeah. I think at the beginning it was a bit of a novelty. They all went out in enthusiasm, but 
I think the authorities stopped them because of health and safety. And eventually there was, you know, um, the embankment. Yeah. Yeah. There was, uh, there used to be a stand there. And there used to be the ones that I used to know, the one that I used to have my Bible study with, she was a very enthusiastic. They would be there a couple of weeks and there'd be nothing. And then they would come back. And a couple mm -hmm. of them I recognized. You could see the corner of your eye. She's looking at you. You know, she recognized yeah. you. And I went, oh, don't I know you? And I was like, mm, just kept walking. I thought, oh, God, mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, the cart witnessing brought it all back. And then I went on the internet, Google, found out about the history, met up with the XJWs and started to listen to other people's story. Yeah. And it, you know, and then in the end, you get to a point where you find that you've had enough, whatever. And the, I think for years they were, they had a massive cover up with the child abuse. Mm. Do you remember 2000, the Panorama show? Yes, Suffer the Little Children, I think it was called. Yeah. yeah and I, I well. and there was also something in America with um, is it Aunt Barbara Anderson or something. Yes. That, yes. And I think that was the start of the beginning of the end because mm. that exposed. They're, they weren't the only people that covered up the abuse because it was happening elsewhere, football, BBC, all that kind of thing. Okay. But it had been swept under the carpet. And mm. that, I think, was the beginning of the end. The veneer started to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously there was that Candice person. Candace who, that's it. There was yeah. that case, and then the Australian Royal Commission really brought everything out in the open. And I, how, I, how did you feel watching the Australian Royal Commission for the first time? I didn't watch the whole thing, mm -hmm. but I saw snippets of it because I just couldn't. Because by then I, you know, it was quite. I'm still sort of absorbing it because that was the only when that came out. That was about the time when I started to sort of really still absorbing you know mm, mm. i just thought how the hell can you cover up something like that because my my dad moved to australia and the person he was he was um, when he came over to stay with me he was renting a room with this other lady who became a jehovah's witness and the first time he came i rang her up and we was all talking like Jeho jovi jw to jw and then he went back and then he came back he, two years later. By that time, she'd stopped being a witness. Wow. So, he said, she's not one anymore. And I said, well, neither am I, Dad. It went off in mm. good. <laughs> so I rang her up and I went, hello. I said, I've just heard you're not a witness anymore. Oh, oh, oh. I said, don't worry, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was because um, Australians, are, you know, they dealt with this. It was one of many. And mm. it was just, you could see, and obviously, the one, one of the governing body was on there. That's right, Jeffrey Johnson. That's it. And you just know they're lying or they're just telling them what they think that they want to hear. Yeah. How many, the body language of many an elder sort of sense they looked nervous, uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That I couldn't, I did, I, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't sit down and listen to it because I'm not very good with things like that. I get bored very, you know. But I just looked at the body language and I, I read transcripts and things like that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I just could see the one thing that I, I looked at their body language and you could, I thought they don't want to be there. They're uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think Jeffrey Jackson had gone through a script with the solicitor and he was, you know, like most cases, he was yeah. told what to say, how to say it. And he was very good at doing whatever, if you know what I mean. Because he's obviously at that position, he knows what's going on more than anybody else. But I think it exposed the weakness for the elders. They were left on their own. Mm. And obviously, we all know that some body as elders, they get over enthusiastic, they go over the top, and they really hound. I imagine, I don't know if you went 
Did you go through persecute? Were they persecuting you when you left? Uh, no, I wouldn't say persecuting me at all. No, but um, there was definitely uh, a lack of support. I mean, leading in, in the year leading up until when yeah. I left, there was a definite lack of support, and there were many, many times where I felt marginalised. Yes, that's how I felt yeah. as well. That is exactly how I felt when I saw you. You become a non-entity. Yeah, a person of in, you're inconsequential. That's the word yes. someone used once. Yes. That's the way you know, person of no significance basically. Mm. But listening to the Royal, you know, the Australian Royal Commission, I think really showed the flaws, the weaknesses, and the way they forced the children to sit yeah. and have to be questioned by their persecutors. We all know that is disgusting. It is. And when they had the England had the, you know, the case and it made all the headlines that particular night, you know, um, you know, we had our own investigations in the country and obviously out of all the newspapers when you think about it there wasn't a massive um there wasn't a great big investigation like there was in the australian royal commission no no but it made the news headlines yeah there was a lot of other religious groups but the jehovah's witnesses out of everybody was picked Maybe. on yeah because they're they're one of the worst yes i think that the the what it comes down to is that the organization sees child abuse primarily as a sin yeah. and only as a crime secondarily that's right that's right so they don't if a child when a child is abused they don't automatically view it as a crime that's been perpetrated on the child they view yeah. it as a sin involving a child and then they then it's for them to work out whether the involvement was voluntary or not or to how much you know to the degree oh, that the child was complicit how would a 10 year old know yeah or so forth you know yeah. your your child and you've got a grown-up who you've learned to grow up learned to look as like an uncle figure. You mm -hmm, trust them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, they're, you know, we all know it's moulded and they train them. They, they get them to a point where they can isolate them and do whatever. But I think that was the one thing I did notice. There was a lot of people over a period of time said they ain't taking it seriously, they ain't taking it. But the main thing is that we've got to remember, out of all the headlines in the news, the Jehovah's Witnesses was where all the news, the BBC and all that went for. Yeah. Not, but then... Not, you know witnesses will interpret that as persecution yeah but that you know but it's something yeah. that they, they, they won't they won't think it's because we are you know we we handle this really really badly and that's why we're getting the ne more negative attention than anyone else they'll they'll see themselves as being victimized but the main thing is is that when they knock on people's doors people can see that mm. these you've got to be careful when that person knock on your door they're not always who you think they are a child abuser a pedophile will go for a group where they can go undercover. They either yeah. join like football, boys football clubs or gym clubs or a religion like the Jehovah's Witnesses where they weren't, they can get away with it. Yeah. And because they can go and knock on the public, that kind, by the, the publicity highlights, don't trust these people, be yeah. careful. That's yeah. the only good thing I think that's come out of it. But I think we all know that, you know, and also um, in the last couple of years, they've had no meetings. It's all been on Zoom. So all the Kingdom Halls are just standing there. And I wouldn't be surprised mm. more Kingdom Halls over the next few years will be closed down, congregations mm. amalgamated, um, big assemblies, the district where they used to go to the O2 apparently and have that. That might come to an end. The circuit assemblies might be more the case because they own the premises. But I think over the next few years there's going to be more changes because they already mm. did that back when they bought the JW Org and the JW Broadcast because they, they got that big, they're building that great big place, isn't it? So yeah. The studio. That, Ramapo. Yeah. That's it. 
And you're sort of thinking, and they're getting all the people to go there and, you know, volunteer their services. And there's obviously the big Chelmsford that they made in the UK. Yeah. So, you know, I think it will be, whenever I go on YouTube, I don't know if, you, if it's happened to you, I'll go into YouTube, say to maybe I might see something. Oh, you've got on YouTube. And the next thing you know, you've got this religious group. It's the bloody Mormons. Have you seen it? Oh, I've made a lot of ex-Mormon friends recently. <laughs> we have so much in common. It's untrue. They're our cousins. They're really <laughs> they our cousins. <laughs> but if I was to go, you know when I, you go on YouTube, you know, an advert comes up. Mm -hmm. I have an advert and it's the Mormons. It's the Mormon church. Right, right. That's, that's the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah. so you have to wait for the advert to finish and that's six seconds and it's the mormon church trying yeah. to get members yeah. so i thought well if the mormon church can do that i wouldn't be surprised if the jehovah's witnesses start going down that road it wouldn't surprise me at all so it'd be interesting it's a case of watch this space and let's yeah. see but yeah. i think it's um it make it marks us it affects us and it makes us the person we are mm -hmm. um i think the inability to stand up for yourself and be more of a follower than a leader is one of the problems that i've had oh absolutely consequence of being I, 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 I can identify with that as well i mean that's something that i've struggled with you know being yeah. assertive and being you know standing up for myself those, those are problems those are problems that i've you know had for years I'm, you know yeah. i'm trying to improve in that area and i have come a long way from where i was but it's always going to be an issue i can't i find it very hard to say no mm. And it's something that I'm now learning. I think you know, I'm at the stage in my life, I don't need this anymore. I've just got to say no. So someone asked, I said, no, I can't do it. And they might look at me, I thought, I don't care. Don't like it, don't care. Yeah. I'm not doing it anymore, you know? Mm. And I think, you know, so in a way, like I said, I had 30 years knowing that I'd given my disassociation letter, but never knowing nobody. In all the years, I go to all the meet up with people, XJW, nobody had known until I obviously contacted you. And when you came out, I mean, at last, someone I did, it did announce it because mm. I was I was told five years earlier because I was somebody that I knew. We both know this person, but I won't go into detail. But that person said, no, she's disfellowshipped. And I thought, I said, I'm not disfellowshipped. So then maybe they disfellowshipped me rather than disassociated. No, you were definitely disassociated, not disfellowshipped. But that's what I was led yeah. to believe after yeah. what that person told me so when you told me that and i thought oh it's like a full circle yeah you you hear about it and then you don't you you don't know what happened and everything and then 30 years later you sort of said you know yeah. a pass cross and yeah. you sort of think like you know say ah oh, so it was announced but we've got to remember at the time everyone's got to remember that i think as a woman to actually disassociate was definitely very rare yeah back in yeah. those days and to disassociate was even was rare, but for a woman it was even rarer. Mm. And it was just because of my mum in and out, in and out. And I knew that I wanted a clean break, and that's mm. why I did it. Mm. You know, you know. What it, are things like for you in your life now? You know, how happy are you after having disassociated compared to how you were as a witness? Well, I was. I just kept, to be honest with you, I was out busy partying, mm. drinking too much, clubbing whatever i never remarried and all that didn't have children and then um i was involved in a car accident that sort of stopped everything you know oh, you're no. in, your, in your tracks you're in and plus age comes along and you take longer to recover from the alcohol abuse and um it started to sort of you know bones are cracking i weren't fit enough and so i really just joined the gym mm. because obviously i've got if i don't look after myself i'm just gonna you know gonna mm. get and and i'm learning to swim because I couldn't swim. 
all I had to do was get goggles with a subscription. <laughs> it's obvious when you look back on it. But I think the thing is, I sit, I step back now and I look at things objectively. And I think, do I really want to do this? Mm. Do I really want these people around me? So I mean, before I was just plodding along because that was the habit I picked yeah. up from being a witness. Yeah. You put up with it. Yeah. Because you, the system's going to come to an end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think be, be, being a witness, you become more of an observer in your own life than an active participant. Yeah. It's like everything's yeah. on autopilot and you're just sitting back watching yourself carry out this routine. It's like you're sitting in a wheelchair and someone's yeah. taking you along and you're just participating and you're not, yeah. you're not, uh, you're not, you know, you're just there. Yeah. But, you know, I was towards the end physically there, but mentally out type mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's about taking back that control. So I'm at yeah. the stage in my life where now, obviously we locked down and pandemic is obviously a lot of us, we had a chance to slow down and put the brakes on. Yeah. And a lot of people have woken up as a result. Oh, my goodness. Do you know, that is the one thing I have noticed. When I came out, when I started going back on the internet to Google, because I never Googled Jehovah's Witnesses for 20 years, mm. right? It never crossed my mind to do it, okay? Anything Joe W, XJW, I only knew one person who was an XJW, I refused to Google, right? Mm -hmm. Saw the cart witnessing, and that's when I thought Armageddon was coming. Anyway, uh, I thought, oh, we're in the Great Tribulation, I'm beginning to And I thought, wow, we took that silly cow. Went home, Googled, and that's when it all started. I think um, I think the online, there are more and more people, especially in the last 18 months, that are telling their stories. Have you noticed that yeah. as well? Yeah, a there lot. There's so many. And you look at someone like Lloyd Evans, 95,000 subscriptions. You look at HJW Reddit. At the beginning, 6,000 when I looked on it, there's over 66,000. When I left, there was no support. You was on your mm. own. And you either went down the suicide route or you kept away and went back because you was isolated or you did what I did, which is pursue a lot of spiritual food but in the drinking variety and clubbing and partying, whatever. And well, it was work and drink and partying. That's me. And then eventually age caught up and I thought, oh, I can't do this anymore. And um, eventually I then... With the cart witnessing, then I confronted my JW past because I never told anybody. I used to keep it quiet. But I think the diehard Jehovah's Witnesses are stuck to it, but more your mum's generation. Yeah. Quite a few my age group. But I think your generation, your group have start they I started to go away. More your and the young ones. You look at XJW. The, even the, 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 the younger generation now, like, oh goodness me, they're waking up in droves. Yes. They because really are because that you know they're more savvy with the internet yep. and you know looking things up and researching things and i think they they tend to think more critically yes. than previous generations like xjw critical thinker that's yeah. that's already in them we yeah. didn't get that until afterwards yeah this exactly. younger generation and you've also interviewed some older people haven't you who've yes, woken have, yeah. up and even that's starting to happen lately yeah. where they've persevered and i think the meetings stopped and everyone is that these ones who maybe sat on the fence, they just had enough mm. or they just said, I can't do this anymore. Like what happened to me. I just, I just cannot, I've got to, I just jumped off the treadmill and just, I just say, I'll take whatever comes my way. I can't go back. And unfortunately being a JW, we was all expected to be one color gray. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? Exactly. We all know the world isn't gray. I had a, as a child growing up, we had a black and white TV. That's how it was. Yeah. And then when you get a color TV, everything's like, oh, you know, 
you see on TV that little children on YouTube who don't can't see, and the mother puts glasses on them, or they put a, a hearing yes. aid. Yeah, and they and hear you, for the first time. Yeah, and you see their eyes pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is yeah. what it's like being a J. You're in JW land, and you're living that life, tro strolling along because everything's grey. And suddenly, you you open the door, and you see colour, mm. and your eyes pop because you realise mm. I can live my life the way I want, and I don't need to be dictated and told how to eat, how to do this, when to wake up, where to go, who to hang around with, what to watch. Who to, yeah. you know, yeah. I decide my own. Yeah. I take I take control of my own destiny. And sometimes we make a good decision. Sometimes we make a, a bad decision. But it's my decision. And that's how I that's how I am. It has been absolutely fantastic speaking with you. It's really yeah. good to catch up with you again. Yep. Thirty yes, <laughs> years later. Years, yeah. <laughs> I'm I've pleased to see you. that you're happy and that you're, you know, doing well in life. Yeah. Well, it was nice talking to you. And it's nice to know that somebody did hear my disassociation message yeah. <laughs> you know, 30 years later. But it's great. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you. Bye. Enjoy the rest of your day. And you too. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And thank you for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please click the like button and leave a comment. And also, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the channel with notifications so that you're alerted whenever I upload a new video. Please proceed to the Jexit in an orderly fashion and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jexit underscore 2020. And with that, I'd like to sincerely thank these very special patrons who make these videos possible.